Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. We started last week in a series, a brand new series called The Great Sermon. The Great Sermon. In this series called The Great Sermon, we're talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, one of the things that we talked about was just how powerful this sermon was. What, you know, how powerful was it? And one of the things that Matthew chapter 7, you see this in the last two verses, 28 and 29. It says this, when Jesus had finished these words, when he had finished this sermon, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Now, has anybody ever read through the Sermon on the Mount before, like chapter 5, 6, and 7? Is there anything in there that just blew you out of the water? Nobody wants to answer that. I understand. I mean, it's pretty logical for the most part. It's not complicated stuff. And yet, what would cause those crowds to be amazed? Isn't that an interesting question? I mean, I've read through it. Most of you have read through it. We're reading what he said. What would cause them to be amazed? And it's powerful. Trust me. Look, I was planning on doing all of the Beatitudes. All the blessed are this and blessed are that. And getting through all those. We can't. We're going to hit like six verses today. That's it. Because they are, they're a lot more powerful than you think. But just in the words that he said only. Just looking at the words. Not looking at the background meaning. Just looking at the words. Logically, does it look like there's something to be like, oh, wow, with. I don't see that. So what were they amazed at? And it tells you, because he taught as one having authority. In other words, he was committed to this thing. He believed in this thing. But here's, here's the bigger point. Preaching is not just about the words. Right. It's about what's passed on with the words. Preaching is something that's spiritually discerned. Like just what I said earlier, uh, some people may look at that little you know, uh, pre-message about finances. They may say, I wish the pastor would just get on with the message. Or I don't know why he's talking about finances again. Or you know, stuff like that. Well, you don't know. Yeah. There may be one person. Yeah. Maybe one person sitting there. And that's the key that will open them up to be a multi-billionaire who understands the foundation of their blessing. And they will give the billions that will win the trillions to the Lord in the future. The billions to the Lord. You don't know. We don't know that. But it can be, I remember what day it was. I was there on that Sunday in that church in Little Old Albemarle, and Pastor Brian started talking about finances. Some people think it's just a, a rabbit trail that I wish Pastor would get off, not knowing that it's actually something that opened up eternity for, for thousands or right. millions of people. Because the millions came to Christ because somebody gave their millions because they were blessed because they heard a word that looked like a rabbit trail. 
There's something beyond words that's being transferred when you preach. There's, there, it's not just words. It's not just logic. Because faith is, is not just a, a logical thing. Faith doesn't even make sense. A lot of times it's not a logical thing. Faith actually is a spiritual thing. And so what's being imparted with those words is different. Here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that Jesus was so full of faith he, he just, remember, he just came out of the wilderness spending 40 days with his heavenly father. He was so full of faith and so full of love and hope. I believe that when he got up and said words that are just logical, something else passed on with him. And it caused the spirit inside the people to go, whoa, what was that? What was that? Because he's not teaching. He's not just teaching. There's something different. Why? Well, we can see the words. The words. The individual words themselves don't seem to be the issue. It's who was preaching. It's what, what was going along with him. It's what was coming out in that place. What, what was being imparted spiritually at that moment. Because it was very important of the speaker. And Paul said it like this. He said, I don't come in convincing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and power. You said it earlier. It was a power that he, that he spoke. It was a power that was released when Jesus spoke. Words that seemed like normal, but there was something different on them. Well, this sermon, obviously it was a strong one. And a few uh, weeks ago or months ago, I was reading through this, and uh, the Lord said, you need to preach a whole series on the great sermon. There's things in here people need to hear. And there's stuff in here I didn't even realize when he told me that. Like the biggest thing that I preached last week, I said, I said, you have to. And as we go into the great sermon today, and we step into Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 6, you have to understand, you must understand the setup for this message that Jesus preached. Because there was a huge setup in here that things were shifting. They had been this way, now they're going to be another way. And that's what we preached last week. If you didn't hear last week's message, you need to go listen to it, right? You need to listen to it. Go to bcvideo.org, Boomerang Church Video, bcvideo.org, or go to Facebook. You can watch them. Watch last week's message. You need to understand it. Because if you don't understand what I said last week about the power and the light that's passed on in this, then you won't understand the gist of the whole series. You'll miss it. You've got to watch that. And so what you see in here, you see some major themes in this. You see that, that God wants us blessed. You see that he wants to, another major theme is that he wants to move us into manifestation of his power and light. Uh, light is not only us being the beacon like evangelistic beacon, but it's also receiving revelation and hope. In other words, uh, God wants you blessed. He wants you walking in power. He wants you walking as the light of the world. He wants you walking in revelation. And he wants you to be so full of hope that it just drives people to ask you what's going on. And this message, uh, another theme is uh, living from the heart. It's not about uh, what you do as much as where your heart's at in it. Where's your heart? 
And then another theme, a major theme, is the two different systems. The world system and the kingdom of God system. Many Christians are trying to be Christians, but they keep living by, by the, the world system and not the kingdom of God. And they, they get frustrated and they struggle and they wonder why. It's because you're trying to apply physical, corrupted world laws in a spiritual system and they don't mix. But when you start to understand, this is why you esteem services. This is why you esteem the word of God. One word, one service can change everything. This is why you esteem it. Because you're not esteeming what you can see in the physical. You're esteeming what's been spoken about in the spiritual. Because ultimately, this world that we see, it is completely made up of a spiritual base and a spiritual foundation. Not physical. You would have no physical without the spiritual. And so when you start to change the spiritual, the physical changes. That's what Jesus did. He changed the spirit of a man and that allowed the physical to change and be healed and delivered. It's like, you know, taking one of those white carnations and you put it in red dye. Eventually that carnation sucks that up because the root of that carnation has changed and now it manifests in the physical and that's what happens. We start to put in and operate on God's spiritual system and then the, the physical systems change. This is what causes prosperity to come into your life. This is what causes healing to come into your life. You see that in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 says, We know that the worlds were framed by things which do not appear. In other words, this world came into being, this physical world, the things that you see were made from things that you don't see. Its, its root is spiritual. And so when we start operating according to spiritual laws in a spiritual kingdom, we start changing these things. So the setup here is that the whole sermon was set up by a switch. And, and you can see it there. Definitely uh, your handouts today are limited. Uh, they do not have all the notes and scriptures that you want. Now you have the basis there, but you can go to... Um, bclife.org slash notes, or if you're watching online, there uh, should be notes over to the right. But you can look at the notes, pull them up. You can review them throughout the week. If you have a, a phone or tablet here, you can pull them up and see all the scriptures. But this whole great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, was set up by a switch. And the switch was a change of thinking and actions from physical to spiritual. In other words, Jesus comes onto the scene. First in John the Baptist, he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? It's, it's coming right now. And John's not saying, you filthy, dirty sinner only. Right? He's saying, you Israel, you've been thinking about this the wrong way. You've been thinking about it physically and you need to start seeing what's actually happening in the spiritual because it's awesome. Right. So John comes on the scene and he starts laying the groundwork for this. And then Jesus comes in. And what John's saying is the heavens are about to be open and the physical ways that you've been working, they're not going to work anymore. You're going to have to work by heaven's ways as soon as the heavens are open. And then Jesus comes in. He gets baptized to fulfill all righteousness in his righteousness. He starts praying and the heavens are opened up and heaven comes into the earth 
And from that moment forward, everything's been different. The way that people have been trying to do things, right? It doesn't work anymore. You, you have to do it by the spiritual. And the whole reason to open up the heavens was so that, that Jesus could then multiply himself. In other words, he was walking around. He was moving in the power of God. Boom, 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 boom. He's moving in the power. People getting healed, delivered, set free. Demons coming out. Everything's happening. But his whole point was not be uh, the show alone. His whole point was to say, y'all come with me. You do it. You put your hand to it and the same things will happen. That was the point. So the whole point was to switch the way of thinking. And this is what had just happened right before Jesus starts preaching this sermon. It was a change from limited power and light to fullness of power and light. The whole sermon is to move you and keep you in abundant power and light. The whole sermon, the great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, is there to move you into the abundant power and light of God and keep you there. That's what it's about. Most people look at it and all they see is do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. But if you look at it that way, you're going to get really discouraged after a while because you're going to think, I can't do that. But see, the whole point is Jesus is laying out some areas where you've been doing it this way in the physical and you need to change it to the spiritual. And if you'll do that, you'll step into the fullness of power and the fullness of his light and you'll stay there. But then you have to understand that he doesn't just tell you a bunch of stuff that you can't do. You realize there's three chapters of what to do and what not to do. The whole message is do this, don't do that. Is he telling you that just to give you, you know, some rules and be a hard taskmaster? No. Is he doing it and telling you to do something that you'd never be able to fulfill? Well, that would be unfair. He's not unfair. He's saying, I'm going to show you what to do. Now, your job is to pull on the power of God to be this. Just start going down this path. I will help you fulfill, fulfill every one of these. But start paying attention to what I say so that your mind can be renewed so that when you come up to a crossroads, you'll start to know which one's me and which one's not. And when you know which one's me, you'll stay on the path of abundant power and abundant light. But if you don't choose me, then you're going to start getting off of that. And wouldn't you agree that the church in general has strayed off of abundant power and abundant light, hope and revelation? Yeah, absolutely. There was a poll done a few years ago and it said, where is, where is love found the least? And church was one of the top ones. It's supposed to be the opposite. Yep. And people don't even know to ask the question, where is power found the most concerning church? But it's supposed to be, church is supposed to be the top, moving in the power of God. 
Not in convincing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration and power. And it's not supposed to be just Jesus who walked 2,000 years ago. He said, you'll do these things and greater. It's meant for you. This whole sermon was to get people into that power and to keep them there. He had opened up heaven for people to be partakers with him. To be partakers with him. And the whole point was, you can walk in these things too. Here's how you do it. And so you start to look at these as, this is not Jesus trying to keep me under wraps and be you know, a, a, a parent looking over my shoulder. This is Jesus trying to raise me to new heights. He's trying to level me up. He's trying to get me to a higher place and help me out. And it's not that, look, I can remember reading through some of the stuff in the Word. And I remember one time, you know, the Lord said this. I want you to live your life, Brian, talking to me. I want you to live your life so that the devil himself could go over your life with a fine-tooth comb. And he wouldn't find anything to charge and accuse you of. That's a great idea. Amen. But when it's you that he's talking to... I was like, I don't know how that's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I know me right now. And that ain't happening. You're going to have to help me, Jesus. <laughs> right? And he did. He did. And I found over a period of time when I looked to him for help and strength to say no to things I needed to say no to and yes to things I needed to say yes to. I found that he was right there to give me that strength. But the key was that I knew that he would give me strength. So when we look at this list, we're not looking at a list that we can't do. We're looking at a list that God will empower you to do. The question is, are you even giving it any attention? Are you esteeming it at all? And the whole point to esteem it is, even if it never produced any power and light, we ought to esteem it just because he said it. Just because he said it. But then because it keeps us in power and light and causes us to be a good uh, witness to the world, we ought to want it even more. But then uh, on top of that is there's residuals that end up in our life. We should want to do this. But see, it's like pulling teeth to get Christians to esteem a lot of this. Is it not? You fought the battle. I fought it too in my own thinking. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go talk to them right now, Jesus. I am resting. I want to go to church. That was like this morning. Everybody has to put those thoughts down. I didn't really think that this morning, but it wasn't too long ago. I wanted to be here. I was looking forward to it. Why? Because I, I knew what the Lord had. But there's times where you have, and you got to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to pull on you. I'm going to draw on you. Although there are many conditions to be met, don't be overwhelmed. Through God, you can. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. I just wanted you to see a little point here before we even get into anything else. Before Jesus even starts talking. Let let me paint the picture. Jesus went somewhere. Sat down. Maybe a little bit hard to get to because it's on a mountain. But they were used to walking. 
And he sits there. That was funny to me, too. I'm glad you left. I was feeling alone. And his disciples came to him. His disciples came to him. See, true disciples, they're going to seek after him. They're going to seek after him. It's a simple thing. You know what one of the biggest challenges in being a pastor has been? People don't want to go after him. We have a church full of churchgoers, but not disciples in America. They're not disciplining their life after him. I mean, y'all are used to it now, but my goodness, it's 10 past 12. Y'all should have seen the looks I got a few years ago when we started doing that. Can you curse somebody with your eyes? (laughs) I thought for sure you might could a few times. His disciples came to him. And you know, it it just gets me how ruled by the flesh we are. Mm -hmm. That's good preaching. How ruled by the flesh we are. You know, fasting will pull that out quick. I mean, about 10 (laughs) a.m. I'm going to do a 40-day fast, 10 a.m. Oh, Jesus, God, help me. Lord, have mercy. Help me, Father. Help me. Help, help. It gets to 11.45 like he has not started his sermon yet. It is 11.45. We started at 10.30. If anybody thought that, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit reading your thoughts. <laughs> but we're so called up in all the world and all its ways and all the flesh that we forgot who our Savior was. Yeah. We forgot. You notice that it says disciples in that verse, right? It says disciples. That means a learner. That means they are continuously learning. Now listen, being Glass House, there have been times when I didn't feel like learning anymore. But you have to put that down because that is a fleshly thought. And we, if we live by thoughts of the flesh, the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. In other words, if you want life and peace, you've got to take that thought captive, put it down and say, no, I'm reading my Bible flesh. I don't care what you think about it. No, I'm going to Holy Spirit service. I don't care what you think about it. I'm going here. Well, if I, if I go there, then I'm going to be late for this and, and this is going to be harder on me. Well, well, well okay. Put it down. Be a disciple. Be a learner. 
His disciples came to him. They came to him. You know, the reason why is because you don't get everything watching video. There's an impartation that happens. That's what we're talking about. There's something you need that's beyond that. When we were in the Philippines, sat there for three days, 90 degree heat, 80% humidity. People were sleeping on the ground in between just because they were hungry for the word. And they drove there on the back of a, not a pickup truck, but like a dump truck. You know, its shocks aren't made for riding comfortably, right? They, they rode on, and these were like Philippine dump trucks. So that meant that they were what we would consider junk. They were worn out. They would ride for a day and a half on the back of that in all the dust. People wearing masks just because of the dust, just walking down the street wearing masks. They would ride on the back of that truck to come and hear the word. We've got this air conditioning thing. I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to turn the lights off, turn the air conditioning off, and just see who'd stay. I mean, real. See who'd come back. Now, I know. I know who was actually here for the right reasons. A disciple is a learner that keeps on learning no matter what obstacles stand in the way. And they came to him. They came to Jesus. Remember, Jesus said this. this is, you know, uh, he, he said, come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden's light and I will give you rest. But the key phrase in that is come to him. The disciples came to him. They were disciplined after him. They put down the thoughts of, of the world and the thoughts of ease on their flesh and they said, your word is more important. What you have is more important. What you're doing, Jesus, is more important. And aren't we commanded to go and make disciples? How in the world are we ever going to make a disciple if we ain't one? I'm not holding a mic, but I just dropped it. Amen. <laughs> How are you going to make a disciple if you're not one? How are you going to make a disciple if you're not disciplined after Christ? And remember, he's not, he's not getting it. I mean, he's not even preaching yet in the message. It's just me talking about the intro. But it, you're not going to get to the places of power and light and be like all super Christian if you can't disciple yourself and put your flesh down. It's not going to happen. I'm thinking about there's a video out and it says is a pastor in front of a church. He's going, just stop it. Just stop it. You know, we got to stop it with the thoughts of the flesh and put it down. We've come into an era, and listen, don't think that you got this under wraps because every single one of us that's in here grew up in a time where people split churches over the color of the carpet. And so even things that we've thought are okay, there's a root of corruption that has been in the body of Christ and and he is weeding it out now and you are either going to be swept out with the chaff or you're going to become a disciple. That's what's happening right now. And there's a bunch of people going to get left. And, and, And to prove the point, just look around real quick at the empty seats. 
See the empty seats? Now those seats are there for two reasons. One, we'll jump over this, but you need to let it sit too. One is because we haven't filled them. We haven't done it. And we need to let that hit us in the heart. But here's the other reason. In this church in the last year and a half, we've had miracles, healing, on the spot, instantaneous healings. We've had finances go up over $150,000 in the salaries of people in here. Uh, Probably even more now. I've I've about lost count. We've had debt erased right at a million dollars, supernaturally debt erased in the lives. We've seen the joy come back into people. We've seen the power of God, I mean in demonstration. Oh yeah, I know we're over the... Amen. I know we're over the million dollars being out of debt now. And yet people are so satisfied because they think the American system is their source. And the world's way are so satisfied that they don't realize where the blessing actually comes from enough to esteem it to go and serve Jesus. Because there's a whole lot more people in this world that claim to be Christian than are sitting in churches. But they think they don't need to do it his way. That means they are not a disciple. There's an apathy that is rampant in America right now. But I'm telling you, and I'm speaking, I would say, prophetically. We are entering and have already entered into a time where that is being sifted. And the way that used to work for the world and for America is not going to work. It's been physical, and we've enjoyed the physical blessings from a spiritual base 200 years ago when they founded this country. And we've enjoyed those blessings, but those things are going away. Not only is it because people are not given to God, but there's a whole shifting of the end of times where we're heading in a different direction and, and God is presenting His church to Him as a beautiful, glorious bride. And you don't get into glory without being a disciple, disciplined. It's not going to happen. But God doesn't, he's not just getting on to us in this time. He's saying, come up here. Let me show you some stuff. Let me show you something. You hadn't even begun to scratch the surface of what I'm capable of in your life. Oh, it's goodness and blessing on a level that you, he says it like this in his word. You can't even imagine. Or think about it. It's so far beyond. And when you think you get there, it'll beyond all, be beyond all that you ask or think then. And then when you get to there, it'll be beyond that. In other words, the depths of the blessing of God are so rich. So rich. You're going to have a hard time keeping up with them. You're going to have a hard time even imagining them. So God's not telling us this stuff just to, just to be mean to our flesh, although the flesh and the spirit always fight. He's telling us this stuff because he's saying, I want, I want to stand you up. I want to stand you up and, and I want to turn you into who you actually are. And it's time. 
It's time for us. You know, we should be saying that, saying, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. Before God can come back and wrap this thing all up, he's supposed to have a glorious church. A glorious church. That means a church clothed, a bride clothed in the beauty of heaven. Full of joy, full of peace, full of light and revelation, full of his glory. You know what his glory looks like in the financial realm? It looks blessed, overflowing. There's so much they can't even carry it all. It's full of this stuff. This is what the church is supposed to look like. That's what he's wanting to get us to. That's what this message is all about. Shouldn't there be some of us that are thinking, wait a minute, if that's what we got to get to, then I need to give myself to be a learner to grow to that level and discipline myself to move to that place. Shouldn't I do that? If I care anything about God, shouldn't I? I mean, it should be to the point where, you know, we're, we're sitting in here and we're listening to the message and we're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be glorious? Well, I don't care about anybody else here. If they don't do it, I'm going to do it. Lord, here I am. Send me. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. I don't care if anybody else joined. I'll do it, Lord. I'll do it. If we really believe that, it, you wouldn't be able to stop people. But see, we, we haven't believed this. We haven't made it real. Have we? And he's saying, oh, do you know what awaits you when you do? Do you know what awaits you when you do? I'll give you a clue. Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. He opened his mouth and he began to teach them, saying, verse 3, blessed. Verse 4, blessed. Verse 5, blessed. Verse 6, blessed. Verse 7, blessed. Verse 8, blessed. Verse 9, blessed. Verse 10, blessed. Verse 11, blessed. That's the plans he's got for you. Will you be his disciple? Will you learn of him? Study to show yourself approved. Go after him. Be the light that he's called you to be. Listen, you won't be the light without it. You won't be the light without it. I said earlier, part of the reason why you see the empty seats is because we haven't filled them. Listen, if we really want, if we really live this stuff, we couldn't help but tell people about it because it would be overflowing in us. It'd be overflowing in us. So what we've done, how many people have ever been irritated at the Israelites? Yeah, I have. Look at what God did. Miracle one, miracle two, miracle three. Ten moves of the power of God. Cloud by day, fire by night, split in the Red Sea, manna in the desert. 
quail being sent, water from a rock, and they couldn't believe God would give them the land. You know why? Because they sat back and they saw all the power of God and they treated it with contempt and despised it. That's nice, Lord. Yeah, you should do it for me. I'm your child. I'm going to sit back here in the corner and let you do your thing. We've gotten mad at the Israelites, and we've done the same thing. And even if we haven't done it personally, but I guarantee you we have, we should take responsibility for it and start disciplining ourselves to move into the blessing. We've made excuses for not following what his word says, to be planted, to come together in unity, to go after and fulfill vision and purposes and missions. And we've hardened our hearts, looked at the power of God. Look, I mean, if I said nothing else, but the Lord raised over a million dollars of debt in the last year and a half, people ought to be jumping up and down, excited. I mean, what if it was your million million dollars in a year and a half? And here's the thing, we'd all be like, yeah, I'd be jumping too. But the truth be told, we'd probably only jump for a week or two because we've let apathy and a hardened heart sit in instead of continuing to be a learner and a disciple and discipline ourselves after him. And we would, and we've seen people have those moments where they're so on fire with God and a month later they've aren't even thinking about it anymore. And yet, that's exactly what the Israelites did. They let a hardened heart keep them out of the promised land. There's a glorious church, a blessed, 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 blessed church. And we've let apathy, a heart that doesn't really care that much about it, keep us out of it. Instead of putting on the right thoughts, we've been okay to continue with the world's thoughts. Like I said, I said this a few weeks ago, even if we never did anything, if, if he never did anything, but he saved us from an eternal damnation in hell, we ought to serve him with our life for all eternity. Right? If nothing else, but that's not all he did. That's, that's a huge start and a huge beginning, but that's not all he did. He blessed us. And then he called us to be the light. He called us to show the power of God, to be the hands and the feet. He called us to be his disciples and discipline ourselves after him and stop making excuses for it and acting like we know something and actually be amazed by what God does. Who am I that you would shed mercy on us? Who am I? Oh, Lord, who am I that you would love me? Who am I? That you would pour out your son's blood for my life. Who am I that you would then say that you want to bless me? Ah, oh, Lord, let me give you everything. That's good. Let me give you everything. Well, such and such wants me to go do this, or you know, my boss wants this, or or you know. Somebody is, my friend wants me to go hang out with them. Ah, I'm getting my, Jesus, you're first. You are first. 
It's, it's all over that word. You're first. You're first. You're first. You're on the throne. Not the world. You are first. And I won't just say it. I won't just check the box. Actually, my actions and my thoughts will back up what I believe. Because that's truly where we've been. If we lived in it and we walked in it, we wouldn't be able to stop the joy and the blessing from overflowing. We wouldn't be able to stop telling people about it. But we have let it stop. Hey, and listen, I believe we're one of the good ones. I just put out the thing this week. 848 people, commitments to Christ this year alone. 848. Glory to God. What a great testimony. Y'all have done that. It's even more now. It's actually gone past. I I was going to put out the graphic next week. But we already went past the number. I felt like I'd be lying, so I went ahead and put it out. That's awesome. And yet, we haven't even come close to arriving. We're just scratching the surface. What does that mean? How many people have had a more blessed life since they've been going after the Lord, and, you know, at least while you're in boomerang? How many people have been seeing the blessings of God pour out? And yet, I'm telling you, we're just scratching the surface because we're not even close. And that shouldn't discourage us. That should actually say, you mean there's that much more up there as we rise in these levels? There's more blessings over and above this? Yes! We ought to move just for that. We ought to move just because he told us to. So today, yay. I didn't preach the rest of it. I guess we'll get to those six verses next week. But that was the message the Holy Spirit wanted you to hear. And how many, you know, how many people hearing this message... You could feel the spiritual toes having pressure applied to them. I could, and I'm preaching it. Yet, what did Jesus say? Listen to this. He said, if the things, the signs and wonders had happened in you, Happened in Tyre and Sidon. If it had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, they'd still be here today. Because they would have repented just because of the good things that had happened and the message that was preached. And he was telling us, you're supposed to take a message and let it change you. Discipline will put its finger on your flesh on your toes, step on them. Proper truth and proper discipline will put its finger on your toes and then it'll say, make a choice. Look, 
It's only up from here on God's side of things. But don't sit there and be lukewarm. I'll fix that later. Make a choice, make it today, and make it stand for the rest of your time on this earth. A message like this today is one that's, you know, we're not just talking about all the great big stuff and it's so good and yay, yay, yay. We're not just talking about all that. And it's not the ones, listen, this is not the kind of message that people's flesh want to be in. But it is the kind of message that will turn you into a glorious church. If you'll give yourself to change. It's not about coming in here and finding something that you amen every week. It's about coming in here and finding a way that I can become more like Jesus each week. That's what it's about. And so today, if it's a day for you to change, Lord, I, I heard it. I hear you drawing and tapping on my heart. I need some change. If you're sitting there and you're going, look, I know that what he's saying is the truth, but my heart doesn't even, I'm I'm not even wanting to go up there, but I recognize the truth. I'm not even wanting to, to change. You realize, you recognize that you're not even in the right state of thinking towards that stuff. That's when more than ever you need to lay yourself at the altar and say, Jesus, I need you. I want you. By faith, I have you and I thank you. I need your help. Hebrews chapter 4 says, if we come to him, come boldly and confidently before the throne. That means we're coming with an understanding that this is going to be different. When I come up there, you are going to, I'm going to find help in time of need. And if my heart is not even to go and change, but I know that I need help, even though I don't even feel like going and and making the change, then I need change more than anybody here. I need your help big time. Help me. Jesus and he says when you get that heart inside of you you will find the help that you need and let me tell you it is not a powerless help it is a power it is a reality it is a power but see you got to partner with them you're going to need to walk out the things that he shows you to do you don't just come up here and say oh yes Lord I want to change and then do everything this afternoon this evening Monday morning Tuesday you do the same things you did last week no you put him first you esteem You don't just look at the the debt that was erased and the healings that have taken place and the lives that have been born. And you don't just say, oh, good, golf clap. Good job. Good job, Boomerang. No, no. You say, I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to be a bigger part of that. Lord, I don't even know how, but I'm believing you. I'm a person of faith. I'm believing you to be a part of what you're up to. And Lord, let me be an even bigger part. Everything I've done from the start of 2018 to now, Lord, let the second half be even stronger. Let me win more souls. Let me pray for more people. Let me be more involved. Lord, show me how to serve more. Show me how to disciple myself more. Show me how to read more. Show me how to pray more, Lord. Show me how to do more. I won't stand stale. I will increase. I won't be a people with a hardened heart that gets left out in the desert. I will enter that promised land. I'm making that choice today. If that's you, come forward.
Father, we just give ourselves today. I want us all to pray this prayer and pray it out loud. Pray it with your mouth. Prayer is not just what you think in your head. Prayer is when you speak it out, out of your mouth. And I want us to pray this prayer, but I want you to pray it like it's the first time you've ever prayed it. A salvation prayer, a a dedication to Christ, a commitment to Jesus. I want you to pray it like you've never prayed it before. I don't care if you are like super Christian, like everybody here doesn't know it yet, but you really are. I want you to pray it like it's the first day of the rest of your life. I want you to think about every word that I say and, and think about it, commit to it, and then speak it. And we're going to pray to the Father. And this is not a Father who's sitting there up in heaven with a lightning bolt just ready to strike you down. It's a loving Father. He loves you so much that when we were His enemies, He didn't just blow earth up. He wasn't sitting in the big death star in the sky waiting to blow up earth. Not somebody on another planet going, I heard thousands of voices on earth as they died because they were rebellious to God. A little Star Wars humor for a few people. He could have done that, you realize. He could have done that. Bring a seat for her. All he had to do was say, look, you're my enemy. Zap. Zap. That's all he had to do. We'd have been done. You and I would never been born. He said, that's not what I'm going to do. I love him. This is the father we're talking about. I love him. How much do you love him? Son, I'm going to give you. Will you, son, will you give yourself to me and my wishes, my will, son, Jesus, will you do that? Father, I'll do it. I will leave my godliness, step off the throne, become one of them, the ones who messed up. I'll go give my life to the point where it's for death. That's the father that we're about to talk to. The one that saw us as sinners, couldn't help ourselves, and enemies, and said, I love you anyway. That's the Father. That's the love that we're talking to. Not big guy in the sky that's always mad, sitting with a big teacher's ruler ready to pop you, or a lightning bolt ready to zap you. So let's enter into the prayer the right way, understanding that we're talking to a loving father, not just an angry, earthly dad. Earthly dad would have wiped us out. 
Now say this with me. Think about every word and commit it like it's first brand new today. Father, today you become my father. Even though I may have claimed you in the past, today you become my father. I've needed you for so long. And it wasn't you keeping me away. For whatever reasons, I, I wasn't there. But today, that changes. You're my father. Today, you have begotten me. Now just pause your prayer for a second. That means he chooses you. You are choice and precious in his eyes. He sees you and chooses to accept you and be your father. He doesn't have to, you realize, but he decides, I choose you. I believe in you. I love you. Now continue praying. Jesus, Jesus. you're my Lord. You're, my Lord. you're the Lord of my life. You're the director. You call the shots. And I'm obedient. You are on the throne in my life. No one else. Not myself. Not my spouse. Not my boss. Not my kids. Not my family. Not my neighbors. Not the peer pressure. Jesus, Jesus, you are on the throne. You are on the throne. Not the bass boat. Not the joys of this world. You may give them to me, but they don't run my life. They're not the motivation for anything. In my life from this day forward. Jesus, you are my Lord. That means I'm a disciple. That means I will disciple myself. And you'll meet me. You'll help me. Because that's who you are. And Jesus, I believe that you died for me with all my mess on your shoulders, all my sin. And your choice, and your choice 
took you into the grave for me. You didn't have to go, but for me, you did. And I believe that God didn't leave you there. That he brought you back to life and raised you up. And when he raised you up, he raised me up with you. I'm no longer that beat up guy. But I'm alive in Christ. And according to your promise, I am raised and seated with you in heavenly places. My position is no longer the beat up person in the world. But I am seated with Christ in heavenly places of all rule and authority. The place of blessing. The place of power and light. Now Jesus, you said if I ask that you would baptize me with your Holy Ghost and fire. And that Holy Ghost and that fire, it helps me be the disciple that you called me to be. I just want you to raise your hands right here. Just like you're, you're making an appeal to heaven. Lord, I need you. I need your help. And then pray this. Say, Jesus, I ask you. Baptize me fresh. With the Holy Ghost. And fire. In Jesus' name. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, then pray. If you don't, then just worship Him out of your heart. Right now, if you have, the Holy Spirit will give you an unction. He'll give you a push to speak out syllables that you might not understand. That is the empowerment to pray the way you should. To give you the power to flow in the power and the light of Jesus Christ. Father, baptize them fresh in the name of Jesus. Andiko.